This is a conversation with Paul Linden. Hi, Paul. Hi, Serge. Uh, so, in, as we were talking about doing this, uh, recording this conversation, you suggested that instead of um, starting with general thoughts, you might actually start with a simple exercise. Yes, uh, that would give people an experience, and then we could have a foundation for, for discussion. If you would please, all of you who are listening, stand up and put a pencil on the floor and then back up about 10 feet, 3 meters away from the pencil. Stand and look at the pencil. Oh, I forgot to tell you, it's a magic pencil. With this pencil, anything you write will come true. You could have a perfect sandwich or world peace or whatever you want. Um, want the pencil. Don't go get it. Don't not go get it. Just stand and experience the sense in your body of wanting the pencil. Does anything happen? Most people experience a slight tipping toward the pencil as the mind and the muscles prepare to do the movement of getting it. That's what I define as intention and as the foundation for all the work I do. Great. So we're going to talk about intention. And uh, your background is uh, in Aikido. Uh-huh. That you 46 just, years. 46 years of Aikido. And, uh, and you describe that as a technology. Uh-huh. Um, could you talk a little bit more about that? Okay. The technology is how we use our intelligence to do better than we're built for. We can fly higher than the birds, dive deeper than the fish, run faster than a cheetah, because we can move and do things that our intellect lets us do that we're not equipped for. Aikido is a nonviolent martial art. Hidden within it, what I've tried to make explicit, is a process for not responding to attacks with fear or anger, but with calmness, respect, and kindness. It turns out if you fight with a sense of kindness in your body, your body is free, your mind is free, you'll fight as well as you need to, but you won't want to. So it's both the cure for the desire to fight and for the inability to fight. That's kind of a strange thought for most people. But it's a technology. It allows us to deal with things. For example, you can hear my voice. I have Parkinson's. And I can steady myself and keep speaking. Where without the technology, uh, my voice would catch and I would be unable to speak. So, so there's a lot in what you said. There's, um, um, what is a technology? There's, uh, but I want to first go into the part where you mention a martial art, Aikido, uh-huh. that is nonviolent, and you mention this thing about fighting, but not to be in uh, an antagonistic mode. Right. Uh, and you talk about finding calm. So could you elaborate a little bit on this? Sure. The natural response to being challenged, threatened, hurt, or in any way feeling less than is to collapse or contract the posture, the breath, and the movement, and the attention. And that could be 
tightly contracting like anger or resignation and collapse, but it doesn't work well. If you, if you want to learn to function in a calm, kind fashion, you need a steady stream of enemies to work with. Without the enemy, there's nothing to rouse the devil inside of us. With the enemy, with somebody who tries to punch me in class, in practice, I have the opportunity to monitor my body and change my natural reaction. It's in that sense that it's a technology and it's a nonviolent martial art in the sense that we don't fight and wish to hurt. We, we have an operational way of finding kindness as a power source. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, uh, the sense of finding kindness, uh, which is at the same time related to calm, as opposed to the more traditional way of fighting, which is also dysregulation. And so, you are very much talking about regulation of the nervous system. Yeah, absolutely. One way to think of it is we're doing sympathetic movements emergency fight-or-flight movements in a parasympathetic innervation state. That's got to confuse the brain and uh, make us better than we started off. So maybe we could relate this to something you say, that um, the root problem of a lot of things in the world is aggression. And yet you're using this martial art technology. Um, so, you know, how does... How would we do that? Well, um, it depends on practice. You know the Carnegie Hall joke? How do you get to Carnegie Hall? <laughs> practice, practice, practice. What you have to do is find some activity, violin playing, <coughs> tennis, something in which you're challenged and have difficulty. And then you get to see, oh, when I'm challenged, what is my pattern? What do I do in my body? What I define as emotion is physiological events in the body. Feelings are what those physiological events feel like to the person who's doing it. So, um, what I'm doing is searching out in my body the capacity to replace aggression, the desire to diminish, the sense of being alienated, the other is not human, searching out in my body a way that I can transform that natural response into one of inclusiveness and connection. So, um, yeah, under aggression mode, what you're saying is it's all or nothing, it's me or you, uh, there's no room for both you and me, and uh -huh. either you die or I die. Right. It's a very, very extreme, sharp position. And you're going into something that's more of a dance, something where there's room for you and me. There's something that there's some kind of a connection happening there. In a way, um, it's not a dance. A lot of Aikidoists prefer not to use the word opponent or enemy. They feel that it is a dance. I feel that it's a combat without the enemy seriously trying to hurt me. 
I don't rouse up the feeling of alienation and separation, and I can't learn to overcome that. The key problem is we're hardwired to see her as not human, and we have to be able to take that hardwiring and change our behavior and see the other as human and, and respect them. Now, most Aikidoists do this almost unknowingly as part of the Aikido practice. I'm not a, an athlete. When I started off, I was a bookworm, and I needed to find ways of making it concrete and explicit for myself. So all of the exercises that I've done through the years to replace the feeling of separation, um, I've made those very concrete and very modular so that I could work with them. And it turns out it's good for other people as well. Yeah, so so that um, replacing the wanting, the seeing the other as non-human, and therefore mobilizing all this aggression, um, and actually what's happening is seeing the other actually as human. Uh-huh. So how does it help you how does it help your fighting? Well, this is I can give you an answer in words, but it's like going to a restaurant and eating the menu. It'd be better <laughs> to actually do it, but we can't do it easily here now. Um, imagine some you're walking down the street mm-hmm. and somebody comes up to you with a knife and threatens you. What's your response? You either collapse and and be resigned if if you've experienced that you're always helpless or you brace and get angry if if you've experienced that you can use force but in either case the body doesn't work well it's like driving with the brakes on when you feel happy friendly respectful kind grounded and strong your muscles are free and you can move better you'll be able to hit them but you won't want to I often say that we sometimes Sometimes have to hit, but we never have to hate. Yeah, yeah, great. So, so the difference is uh, hit, but not hate, because hate will actually hamper the effectiveness of your hitting. Absolutely. Yeah. So, in that sense, you're really very much uh, teaching self-regulation. Uh-huh. Um, and um, you know. Uh, so self-regulation for a lot of people would say, oh, this has to do with emotion, that's the mind, that's... How come, you know, you're focusing on the body and what does it do? Well, I focus on the body because I can find it. If, if a disembodied spook came into my uh, studio for a lesson, I probably wouldn't know which side of the room he was on. But the body, I can find. Um... If you define anger as a feeling, as a mental process, I don't really know what, where you find it or how to catch it or how to change it. But if anger is raising the voice and clenching the fists and tightening the eyes and feeling your, your breath catch, I know what to do about that. You loosen and ground and center, and you step-by-step step eliminate the physiological actions of anger and aggression, and you don't feel aggressive. Uh, a lot of the work that I do is, is, that I've done in the last 25 years has been with abuse survivors. I had one woman come to me, and uh, she was angry as hell about what had been done to her. 
And that was her power source. She wouldn't receive any instruction from a man, not from me. And finally, in desperation, I said, look, I'll give you one punch. You give me one punch. Whoever punches stronger leads the lessons. With black belts in Aikido and Karate, you can imagine who punched stronger. Well, she said, I said to her, I'll teach you to kill with one punch if you want. That she was willing to learn. So I said, the first thing you have to do is relax. Why? I don't want to. Because you can't throw a punch if your muscles are tight. So I took her through a series of things. In the end, she was willing to meditate on loving kindness. Why? Because it opened up her body and she hit harder. I didn't tell her that by the time she finished, she wouldn't want to hit. <laughs> that's, a, that's a beautiful story and a very simple example of how, in a way, that tightness is literally... Uh, the brakes on the, uh-huh. uh, you know, that prevent you from hitting harder. Uh, and I love that paradox that actually the relaxing gives you the capacity to hit harder, but on the other hand, makes you maybe not want to destroy. Uh-huh. It's not just relaxation in the sense of letting the muscles go. Um, one, this, this I can't do verbally. I'd have to show you physically. But if you focus your power in your hip joints, and most people don't even know where the hip joints are. They know where the hip bone is, but the hip joint is not the same. Uh, I teach in Germany, and in German, Hüftgelenk refers to the link, link of the hips. We don't even have a common English word for hip joint. But if you focus your, your movement and your stability through the hip joints, it gives you a, a sense of stability and power which is not against anything. It's a positive feeling of dignity in your body, not a feeling of fighting against. So uh, relaxation plus compassion plus awareness of the space around you plus physiological stability creates an overall state that's an antidote to the fear of fight or fight uh, reflex. Yeah, yeah. So, so... Essentially, that um, uh, in fight or flight, uh, we have the uh, you know millions of years old response that goes for very simple, very basic situations where uh, immediate danger and knee-jerk reaction, which yeah. is not adapted to say the more subtle. Um, manifestations that we have to deal with, or even in battle, let's say that uh, actually, uh, you know, fighters f- benefit from controlling these impulses, and that's where the martial arts came from. Uh-huh. And um, what what you're you are talking about right now in that exercise is a sense with that different position with feeling. Uh, that uh, that place in your body, in your jo- in your hip joint, uh, a different way of standing uh-huh. uh, that lets you experience a different relationship with your surroundings and a different sense of being yourself. Right. Where exactly. you're more secure, you feel a sense of power and a sense of dignity, uh, and which is exactly the antidote, the opposite of being small, vulnerable, uh, abused, uh, powerless, you know, and all these terrible things. Right. What I frequently tell people is 
Power without love is not power, it's brutality. Love without power is ineffective and useless. You need both power and love to function as a human being. And to me, that's not philosophy, it's not theology. It refers to body states, and that's how I access it. Yes, yes. So we're what we're talking about, if we were just talking about power and love, um, it would be uh, abstract and it would be philosophy or theology, but you're relating it to really very specific ways of being through the technology, of uh-huh. paying attention to what our body is doing. Right. And so, based on that, you have actually developed um, that embodied peacekeeping. Uh-huh. What I've done is start... Well, let me tell you where I started. Uh, I was a new black belt teaching an Aikido course in San Jose, California. And I noticed that when I grabbed somebody, they looked down at the wrist that I grabbed and lost balance in the direction of that look. So I said, keep your head up, it's heavy. And when you tip your head toward the the wrist that I grabbed, you lose balance. So they kept their head up and they still lost balance. I watched and I noticed they were looking down. So I said, don't look down. And they didn't look down and they still lost balance. So I was puzzled and I watched and watched. And finally I realized they were thinking down. So I spent the next five years... Uh, coming into the dojo, the martial arts school, when nobody else was around, walking back and forth on the mat, thinking to the left and watching how it altered my posture, thinking up, thinking diagonally to the right, thinking up on to the left and diagonally down to the right. I, I finally began to realize that we create ourselves physically every moment by intending a relationship to the self and to the space around. And that's not philosophy, but it probably sounds a good deal like it. It's a, a quick, a brief statement of how we aim our, ourselves out into the world, and that's physical. Yeah, so so actually, while, uh, you know, you spent a lot of time, uh, uh, you know, doing it, it is actually something that anybody can, to some extent, get a taste for uh, uh-huh. by experimenting. With yes. body position, by intentionality, body position, and noticing the connections that there is between both. And actually, the little exercise that you demonstrated a few minutes ago about the, the way of standing and paying attention to the hip joints uh, is a way of noticing that, you know, bidirectional, you know, cause and effect thing between intention and posture. Yes. Um, what I I am... F- I'm fortunate to have as a legacy is 800 years of civil war in Japan. And the martial arts, as in all war arts, always come up with brilliant um, solutions for killing people better. Um, but in, in Aikido, the man who created Aikido, Morihei Ueshiba, in the early part of the last century, realized that what we needed was a martial art that was about togetherness, not killing and alienation. What I've done is to take it and make it explicit, modular, chunked down so even I can understand the pieces. The the talented folks don't need it chunked down. They just look at it and do it. The rest of us need a more explicit teaching process. 
Yeah, yeah. But so it's uh, it's explicit in terms of steps, but there's also something that is uh, uh, a, a sense of capturing the felt sense yes. of one place and another, not just like a mechanical how-to. Right. The felt sense, as I understand Jenlin's work, is very much part of my work coming from a very different direction. When I, one of the things that I work with, I call following the body. Somebody might come in and say, you know, my brother did this and I felt such and such. And I'll say, what, what do you feel when you talk about your brother? And they'll say, usually surprise, shock, anger, jealousy, some emotion word. I say, no, that's the not, that's not what you felt. That's the name of what you felt. What you felt is an action in the body, and you named it anger. Tell me where in your body you're doing something which you call anger, and what it is you're doing there. Once they can pin that down, I might say, and does something else change in your body elsewhere when you do that here? So I want to to slow down a little bit because that's a very, I mean, you know, there's a lot in my work that's very similar to what you describe. Uh And I know that, uh, you know, lots of time when you describe these kinds of stuff, people nod and say, yeah, I get it, of course, of course, of course. And then, of course, they come back and you ask a question, what's the emotion? And they, again, name it. So I like very much the way you describe it. You say, somebody tells you, I felt anger, I felt this, I felt that. You say, well, okay, no. This is the name you gave it, okay? Right. And so the emotion, and there's the word motion in emotion, there's a movement. Uh-huh. You know, yes. this is something where uh, the the emotion, you're already, it's your body's response, your body-mind, your whole organism responds to a situation where there is an implicit or, you know, explicit movement that's there. Yes. Uh-huh. And, um. and so very different. And the feeling is your experience of that. Right. So... Once people, well, I'll give you an example. A guy came to me, sent by a therapist, because he was flat as a cornfield. What did you feel when your brother did that? Oh, nothing. What did you feel when your wife did that? Oh, nothing. Finally, in desperation, um, I don't do this often. In fact, I've done it only once. I pulled the knife on him. And he went, (gasps) and pulled his arms back, went into shock. I said, what did you feel? He said, nothing. I said, what did you do? He said, nothing. Um, so I poked them gently with the tip, said, what did you do with your eyebrows? Oh, they went up. And I took him on a tour of his body. And at the end, he, he was able to say, I inhaled and stopped breathing. I pulled my hands back. I raised my eyebrows. I shied away from you. I said, what did you feel? Nothing. That's, I just did those things, but I didn't feel anything. So I went, <gasps> and I said, what does it look like? He said, it looks like you're scared to death. Are you prepared to say that you did all those motions and there was no no emotion, no feeling? Two weeks later, he came back for his next lesson. He said he was at his therapist, and she said, "What did you feel when somebody somebody did something something?" And he said, "Nothing." He said, "Wait a minute," and he went through his body, noticing each action of each body part, and then he dwelt on it. He said, "I felt sad." He'd learned a mechanical process for discovering what his feeling was. And that, that was what the therapist wanted. Yeah, yeah. So, so in a way, a sense of calibrating. You know, yes. first of noticing the physicality, and two, of calibrating, of saying, oh, this is what is called 
um, sadness or fear or anger, you know, as opposed to, say, reading about fear, sadness, and anger in a book. And these are just empty words. But here, uh, you're taking the body experience, and from that experience, you're putting a name on it, but it's a name on something that the person has experienced as opposed to something that's simply abstract. And that's a bridge between you know, what language is and what experience is. Yes. As I understand Chandlin's work, am I saying his name right? Is it yeah, Chandlin? yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, he found that on the first, by the end of the first session, after a number of years of watching many first sessions, he could tell who would derive benefit from a psychotherapeutic treatment. Uh, and what I recall from reading his book, he said those people who referred to their body when they said an emotion name, they would derive benefit from therapy. And those people for whom it was abstract and had no connection to their felt body, they wouldn't. So that's very similar in in the body work and in the Aikido that I teach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. So um, that, you know, one is that, that connection to the body and the other is actually that connection to... Um, that you're already implicitly reacting and you're connecting to it and so you're connecting to the movement Mm -hmm. and completing movement. Completing movement is very interesting. Um, I'm not a therapist. I don't see people with mental illness. I see people who have... who lack resources. So, for example... Um, many years ago, I had a nurse come to me for back problems. And as I watched her move, I noticed that every time she turned to the, to the right, um, when she had to pick up something on the right or, or move something on the right, she tensed her back. But she didn't do when she moved to, to pick up something on the left. So I, I would never tell somebody something. I set up movement experiments in which they learn how to notice for themselves. When she noticed that, I said, why do you do that? And she she said, oh, now I understand. My ex-husband came at me from the right with a crowbar, knocked me down, and raped me. So every time she turned to the right, she replayed her powerlessness. Um, what I did was take her out on the, on the practice mat, teach her the self-defense against somebody striking with a crowbar. Then when she turned to the right, she didn't feel helpless anymore, and she stopped straining her back. Unfinished business is usually lack of resources mm-hmm. or or being too young to, to, to do anything effective. Yeah, yeah, and so you revisit that, and actually you're now able, one, to, is to see the threat, and two, is to have an appropriate response to it, uh-huh. And then, in a way, then it's no longer uh, something that was so overwhelming that it couldn't be digested and stayed undigested, but then you can complete it. Right. When you gain resources in the present, you don't change the past. You change your relationship to the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, a lot of your work is about uh, that sense of uh, empowering people, but you also have a vision of it um, being something that could lead to a more sustainable world. Yes. Um, 
sustainable in, in a few, few senses. One, if we realize that we have to be kind and connected to our enemies, and if we respond not with alienation and aggression, but with kindness and, and on the basis of strength, we can start talking to the people with whom we have been exchanging bombs. The other, the other sense in which it leads to a sustainable world, um, if you don't feel yourself as a physiological being on the face of the planet, you will be alienated from the other beings and willing to trash the environment and not even think that you're doing that. It's like sitting on a tree, tree limb, cutting the tree limb out from underneath of you and not noticing it. If you're aware, you'll notice that you, you shouldn't cut off the limb you're sitting on. But um, people need to have enough inner strength at this point to confront the, the terror of what we're doing to the planet. Without that, they'll just buy more things and watch more TV because they can't bear to face what we're doing. So it's an interesting choice of word as you talk about confronting the terror of what we're doing to our planet. And from the terror comes actually the dissociation and the overwhelm, which right. prevents us from finding effective solution. So very much as you described as an individual level, uh, what it's about is how to deal with terror in order yes. to regain power. Um, no, regaining power in order to deal with terror. And, 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 and vice versa. And vice versa, yes. And, and, of course, this being not done in a sense of power like the mad scientist, you know, crazy right. power, but a power that is based on love, compassion, you know, of self and others. Absolutely. Um, we say in English, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts, absolutely. The search for power is a search for purification. And if you ever find absolute power, you must be absolutely pure. Because otherwise, it won't be power. It'll be brutality. and It will destroy you and everything else. Um, but the problem is, people have not been exposed to this model of power. Everything that they see in the movies, on TV, in their families, power is hurtfulness. And hurtfulness is hurtful. But I think real power is kind and protective. But, uh, again, that's not philosophy. You have to be able to do it. Um, if you can't do it, it doesn't help to say it. So, so really, maybe that's a place where we can maybe use that as a note to suggest to people the sense of not just, in a way, taking it as an abstract principle, but to look for, to experiment, to practice with a position of feeling yourself with that kind of power where you feel safe, you feel secure, you feel in harmony, you feel benevolent, and you feel powerful. It's not the opposition between right. power versus love. meek. Love and powerless. You know, yeah. just all of these, but to, to embody it, to live right. in it, and to seek it for yourself. And to notice how, and that's where we talk about technology, how paying attention to your body, paying attention to your intentionality, paying attention to how you relate to things, helps you be in that place and yes. see how much better life can be from that place. Let's try another exercise. 
As you stand, as the listeners stand, feel your skin. You've got skin all over you. Imagine you were glowing like a firefly or like a light bulb. Glow out into the world. Instead of shrinking or pulling in or collapsing or compressing, glow out into the world. And then walk around. How does that feel? Um, most people will feel more present and more relaxed and more grounded by radiating their attention, their intention and attention outward. Add to that glow a feeling of something that makes your heart smile. So whatever it is that a friend, a lover, a pet, a piece of music, a sunset, glow that heart warmth of, of heartfelt warmth. Glow that out. And now imagine walking up to somebody who is violent and being able to glow and, and radiate kindness. It's a totally different place uh, in which to confront the problem, whatever the problem might be. We, we in Aikido use attackers as symbols of all the other problems in our life. Uh, I, I don't use Aikido for fighting, but it's a great symbol when somebody comes up to you with a stick and, and tries to hit you in the head. It gives you the opportunity to not be normal, to learn to be better. Not to be normal, but learn to be better. Uh-huh. So the validating of home, the other response is so normal. And yes. what we're simply trying to do is actually to improve on that. Yes. It's okay if you live in a small group of 20 in the middle of the forest and you chance upon another small group and you, you kill them because they're not human. But at this point in our planet, if we do that to, to millions of people at a time, we're not going to last very long. I have a 10-month-old granddaughter and I want her to be able to grow up. So that's why I'm working so hard to simplify and spread these tools that have taken me 20, 30 years to learn, 40 years. Uh, but they don't need to take that long if they're taught efficiently. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Serge. This is part of the Active Pause podcast at activepause.com. And now imagine walking up to somebody who is violent, and being able to glow and, and radiate kindness. It's a totally different place uh, in which to confront the problem, whatever the problem might be. We, we in Aikido use attackers as symbols of all the other problems in our life. Uh, I, I don't use Aikido for fighting, but it's a great symbol when somebody comes up to you with a stick and, and tries to hit you in the head. It gives you the opportunity to not be normal, to learn to be better. Not to be normal, but learn to be better. Uh-huh. So the validating of home, the other response, is so normal. And yes. what we're simply trying to do is actually to improve on that. Yes. It's okay if you live in a small group of 20 in the middle of the forest and you chance upon another small group and you, you kill them because they're not human. But at this point in our planet, if we do that to, to millions of people at a time, we're not going to last very long. I have a 10-month-old granddaughter, and I want her to be able to grow up. 
So that's why I'm working so hard to simplify and spread these tools that have taken me 20, 30 years to learn, 40 years. Uh, but they don't need to take that long if they're taught efficiently. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Serge. This is part of the Active Pause podcast at activepause.com.